The topic this evening is about the, the wisdom of the relationship between the celestial bodies and the, very often it's related to the birth date of a human being that is born in a certain month that in each month there is a mazal of that month and uh, definitely there's a relationship or a hashpa'a which means an influence of that uh, mazal on the ofi, on the character of that individual the first very important thing to, to realize is that uh, the whole way of the Torah and the whole teaching of the, the Torah and its inner soul which is the Kabbalah emphasizes very very strongly that uh, human beings especially Jewish souls possess a infinite force and strength of free will and that nothing determines whether a person will be a tzaddik or a rasha the most different influences whether they are celestial influences or otherworldly influences can just determine a certain propensity or, or it's called netiah that a person has a certain just like people are born even physically with different properties and different different uh, things that are more conducive and things that are less conducive. So when you speak about the Mazal, we're speaking that there's a person who has a stronger direction or propensity towards a certain property, just like people are born with talents, that a person is born with a musical talent or an artistic talent, some other talent. And if you have a talent, so it's still up to you whether you will develop the talent or whether you will neglect the talent whether you bring it to the fore of your consciousness or whether you will repress it deep into the subconscious and forget it. So all possibilities are open. The most important thing to remember is that there is no determinism and no fatalism whatsoever in God forbid Another important, very important uh, fundamental uh, tenet that the Kabbalah teaches, this is especially in Kabbalah, that everything, all phenomena of Kedushah, of holiness and sanctity possess the property which is referred to as Hitkalibut in Hebrew. In English it would be interinclusion. Meaning that each individual property reflects in itself the whole array of the set in which it is one element. As if there is a set in Kedusha, anything which is a, f- a full set of entities or concepts in Kedusha, if it is complete, then each one of the individual elements of the set will reflect all of the elements. It's like a hologram. This is called Hidkaradut, meaning that if a person, for, for, for us, in the relation to our discussion this evening, if a person is born in a certain month with a certain mazal, so it doesn't mean that this is his exclusive mazal, or even propensity as we said before. But it means that this is a predominant property that he possesses, but in fact he possesses all of them. Because all of the twelve are reflected in each one. 
in nature, in external natural phenomena, it's not like that. This is one of the definitions in the Kabbalah between lower nature, lower mundane nature, and higher divine nature. And in higher divine nature, which the, the term for which in Kabbalah is the world of Atsilut, which is a world of unity, of perfect harmony and unity, every detail possesses all of the details. Every detail reflects in itself all of the details. This we even express in our, uh, in our prayers. We're taught in the Kabbalah that the first month of the Jewish year of months is Nisan. The first Hebrew month is Nisan, even though the year, as a year, the cycle of years in the Torah, there's a difference between the yearly cycle and the monthly cycle. The years begin from Tishrei, that we're about to enter Rosh Hashanah. But the months, and that's why we also need in this page that we have in front of us, the months begin with Nisan. Meaning also that the cycle of the Mazalot, of those constellations that define the, the predominant uh, property or characteristic of the month, also the cycle begins with Nisan, with the spring. The first 12 days of this month, just finish this idea, there is a, a custom, it's written in the Siddur, the Siddur Tzidar, that we say that each one of the first 12 days of the first month itself foresees, foretells, as it would be, a whole month of the year to come. There were great tzadikim, one of which in the tradition of Hasidut, of the general Hasidut, is called the Chosev Lublin, that each one of those 12 days, the first 12 days of Nisan, would say what's going to happen, as it were in prophecy, in that month of the year to come. Now, on those 12 days, we read what originally took place when the Jewish people left Egypt and constructed the tabernacle in the second year of the wandering the desert, we constructed the tabernacle for Hashem. And the first 12 days of the month of Nisan, the 12 princes of the tribes, each on each day brought a sacrifice to inaugurate the tabernacle and the, and the altar of the tabernacle. And we say in our prayers, it's a very, this maybe in the whole Siddur, this one of the most mystical prayers, explicitly, there's hardly any prayer that is totally Kabbalah, a mystical prayer more than this prayer that we say on the first 12 days of uh, Nisan, after we read the, the way that the Torah relates, the sacrifice that each one of the princes brought on his day, then there's a prayer that says that if I am from this spiritual tribe, if my soul derives and is born from this spiritual tribe, then I ask Hashem in prayer, may all of those sparks, the holy sparks and lights, as we'll see that means the inner sense of the soul that belongs to this tribe, may they shine in my soul. So it appears that every day one says, if I am from this tribe, let all of those lights 
appear in China my soul, but we're taught that since all of us say it all 12 days, and even if you're a Kohen, or if you're a Levi, then that's not one of the 12 tribes. We also, everyone, every Jew, man, woman, everyone says this prayer 12 days, meaning that in a certain way on that day, each one does indeed receive a spark or sparks, lights, from that tribe and that mazal and that talent or hush, inner sense that that tribe possesses. And from the very outset of the year, we establish in ourselves a state of heat kadabut. That even though once more we may mostly be related to one of the twelve, but there is definitely heat kadabut that we have in ourselves all of the twelve. This defines kedusha. If it would not be like this, it would just be exclusive, only one or the other, that's not Ketusha. That's Chol, Cholim. So after this introduction, so now we'll try to begin to explain, in short, each one of the twelve Mazarot. So each one, now we can think really what my birthday is, under what mazal after we know that there is hit kaladut as we've explained so now it's alright for us to meditate especially each one on his month realizing that we have to also possess this hit kaladut of all of the months and all of the mazalot now of all of the properties that correspond to one another it's kabbalah first we'll say maybe another general very important uh, thought that the very word kabbalah means Hakbalah. Hakbalah is parallelism. Hakbalah? Hakbalah. That's the original meaning of Kabbalah in the Torah. In the whole Hamisha, Moshei Torah, the five books of Moses, the root Kabbalah only appears in one context. It repeats itself twice in the context, in one context of the construction of the tabernacle. And what it speaks of the tapestry at the top of the the ceiling of the tabernacle, it was connected with loops, and it says, Makbilot Halulot, there were 50 loops on one side of the tapestry, and 50 loops on the other side of the tapestry, they were connected, and they had to be exactly in one-to-one correspondence to one another. And that is the one and only time that this root appears in the whole Hamishah Bumshay Torah. Mak meaning that the original meaning of Kabbalah is correspondence, one-to-one correspondence, meaning that it's the inner insight to identify parallelism, that this corresponds to this, and this corresponds to this, and that way we, we bind or we sew all of reality together, and ultimately manifest that all reality is one. It's all the reflection of the Creator of the universe. But that's what Kabbalah means. The very first classic work of Kabbalah is Sefer Yitzirah, that's attributed to Avraham Avinu, even before the Sefer Hazor, that was first written by Rabbi Shem Baruchai. All of the wisdom that we're going to discuss this evening 
all comes and all is stated explicitly in Sefer Yetzirah. So whoever is interested in this topic especially, he has a very short text, it's not a big text, that he can study and see all of the thoughts and the concepts that we'll now begin to discuss. There are many things that correspond to one another. So first we have the months. The months correspond to the heavenly constellations, which appear as a cycle in the sky, in the physical sky. Those are the Mazalot. They, in turn, correspond in one-to-one correspondence to the tribes of Israel. This includes the twelve tribes, the children of of Yaakov, except according to the Arizal, who is the greatest of the of the Mukubadim, of the wise of the Kabbalah. So the Arizal explains that in the Torah, the order of the tribes differs. There is the order that the tribes were born. That's one order, the order of the birth of the tribes. Another order of the tribes is just in correspondence to the four mothers, the four wives of Yaakov. You know. So sometimes the tribes are ordered that first we enumerate the six children of Leah, and then the two children of Bilhah, and the two children of Zilpah, and the two children of Rachel. It's not exactly the way they were born, that just orders them in accordance with the four mothers. But the final and most rectified, or we'll call it the most mature order of the tribes, is the order of the tribes, how the tribes traveled in the desert in accordance with the campsites of the tribes, which is also the identical order that appears on these first 12 days of Nisan that we mentioned before, the order in which the tribes brought each one in his day the sacrifice to inaugurate the the tabernacle and the Mizbeh of the altar. So that is the most mature or most rectified order of the tribes. And that's why the Ariza says that when we meditate, the, the correspondence between the months and the Mazalot and the tribes, we should use that order. Meaning that the first tribe is not the firstborn. If it would go in accordance with the birth of the tribes, the first one would be Ruven. And Ruven, whose very name means sight, would then indicate that the first propensity, the first Hush, is the Hush of sight. But he was not the first tribe to bring the sacrifice, he was the fourth. Meaning that we will then, together with his respective hush, the corresponding hush which belongs to him, meaning that if a person is born under the mazal of Ruven, then he has the ability, the special ability, which means that the talent that he must develop in himself of sight, of goodly sight that we're going to explain. But we begin with the first tribe that brought the sacrifice, which is the first tribe that also traveled in the desert, and the way the campsites were arranged, and the first is Yudan Judah, who was the, the king of all of the tribes. The second, Judah is the fourth son of Leah. So even though he is the fourth son of Leah, he is the first of the tribes. 
in the most matured and rectified order. Then is Yisachar, his younger brother, the fifth son of Layad, and Zvulun was the sixth son of Ayana. Those are the first three tribes. In the campsite, they were all situated to the east. Meaning that the way that the, that the tribes evolve in the most mature order is also a cycle, a spatial cycle, from east to south to west to north. That there are three to the east, and three to the south, and three to the west, and finally three to the north. Which are basically the, the four seasons of the year, as we know them. In the Torah is called the four tkufot. Every season is called a tkufa, and every tkufa has three months to it. In the desert it was one tegel, one flag that included three individual flags of three individual tribes. So the first flag of the four is the flag of Yehuda, and it contains Yehuda and Yisachar and Zvodun. The second is Ruven, Degomachane Ruven, and it contains first Ruven and then Shimon, which are the first two children of Leah, and then together with the first two children of Leah are added God. God is the first son of Zilpah, the maidservant of, uh, of Leah. Then, and they're all to the south. Now the summer is the south, the spring is the east. The summer is the south. The fall is the west. And winter is the north. That's the way they were situated in the, in the desert. So afterwards comes the, the fall, which begins the new year, the new cycle of years, Rosh Hashanah, as we said before. That begins with the flyman. Here there's another, another difference. That if we would order the tribes according to their birth, then we would have exactly the twelve children of, of Yaakov, Avinu, of Jacob, and they would include both Levi and Yosef. But when we order the tribe in accordance with the campsites and the princes that brought these sacrifices, then Levi is not one of them at all. He was in the middle. If all of these tribes were situated in their sites around, Levi was the middle. And Yosef, since Levi was, is not one of the twelve, he is higher than the other twelve, he is all-inclusive. In fact, if we said before that everyone has to recognize Hit Kalalut, so that sense of Hit Kalalut comes from Levi, who is not one of the individuals, he's just in the middle of all of them. And that he himself is the recognition or consciousness that all are one, and all are connected in Hit Kalalut, that each one reflects all of them. Now, since Levi was removed from the twelve, so instead we have to have another one to, to, to fulfill and complete the twelve. And Yosef, we know that Yaakov, you know, blessed Yosef that your two children, Ephraim and Asher, should each be a tribe in its own right, in its own sense. So Ephraim and Asher, the two children of Yosef, are the first two of the west, of the, of the west, which is the fall. 
in the month of Tishrei and the following month of Cheshvan. They are completed, the three of the four are completed by Binyamin, who is also their maternal uncle or brother of Yosef, because he is also a son of Rachel, Imenu, just as Yosef is a son of Rachel, Imenu, who are two children. So that is the campsite to the, to the west, which is the fall. And then finally is the campsite to the, to the north, which is the winter, and that is Dan. Dan is the first son of the, of Bilha. And then Asher, who is the second son of Zilpah. And then finally Naphtali, who is the second son of Bilha. And that all the winter months are the, are all three of them children of the two maidservants of Yaakov Avinu. And the one God, he combined, he united with Ruven and Shimon in the, in the summer months. And so this is just in order to understand now the cycle of the tribes. And then our next part will be to now go through one by one what is the inner spiritual sense of each one of these twelve. And that's the essence of, of understanding what Kabbalah wants us to know about our birthdays and about the Mazalot and what it means for us. And so now we'll begin to discuss each one of the of the tribes and their related sins and what it means in our service of Hashem. And we'll begin from the month of Nisan, as we said before, that everything all of this wisdom begins from the sun. The tribe, was if a person is born in the sun, so he especially is related to the tribe of Judah. Spiritually, it doesn't matter whether he is a Kohen or a Levi, but spiritually he has an automatic affinity, closeness to Judah, to Judah. And now, what is the inner sense or talent that he now has spiritual responsibility to develop and to perfect in his life and that also this property or attribute if he develops it well it will be good and very very good for him and bring all blessing to his life if he misuses it, it's like anything, any precious gift that a person receives, he can either use it properly or he can misuse it. If he misuses it, then it may result in all negative consequences in his life. This is the most important way that uh, Kabbalah envisions what the Mazal means for you, that you are given a gift and you either use it and develop it properly, and then it becomes a vessel, a source for all blessing in life. Or, Shalom, since we all have free choice, if we misuse this talent, the talent is like a power. So a power can either be constructive or it can be destructive. So we can either develop and use it constructively or destructively. So now we'll begin with the first one. The first one, which is Nisan, is, is Yehuda. And the Yehuda, his talent is speech, Dibur. So 
each one of these talents has its simple, straightforward meaning to it, but it has a multitude, a whole spectrum of other additional meaning, deeper meaning, wider, broader meaning to it. So we'll try, in short, to explain some depth and breadth of the meanings of each one of these 12 12 Hushim, which once more the most important concept in Sefer Yitzirah and discussing the Mazarot is the Hushim. There's another very important image to have in mind when we discuss the Hushim, that the Hushim are the the Olam, the senses, these Hushim are also corresponded and represented by the aura and the light and the color that shines from the twelve stones, the twelve precious stones on the breastplate of the high priest. Because those twelve precious stones also correspond to the twelve tribes, and each tribe has its stone. And each stone has its light, it also has its skula to it. Each stone has a special ability, a special power, a special spiritual power. And those powers correspond once more to the twelve tribes and to their Hushim. The very word Hushim is the most important symbol. It's either a talent or an inner sense. There's a slight difference. In Hebrew, talent is Kisharu. It's close to talent, but it's something more even than talent. An inner sense. The very word Khoshan alludes to the fact that each one of the stones and each one of the tribes has its individual inner sense because the word Khoshan itself begins with the syllable Khush. We even taught that in Kabbalah the word Khoshan, very important, is the breastplate of the high that this is the one place that all of the constellations, all of the Mazadot, and all of the tribe and all of the talents appear on the Hoshin. It equals the value of the Hoshin as Mashiach. The names? The word Hoshin, Chet Shinun, equals Mashiach. So one of the things we're taught, Mashiach also is a permutation of the word Hoshin. It's also named of the son of Dan and the Torah. The Hushim are these senses, these inner senses. And that when the Jewish people, as a collective consciousness, reveal and manifest and perfect all of our Hushim, that itself is the coming of the Mashiach, the revelation of the Mashiach. Um, the word Hushim, once more, it begins with the syllable Hush. And if the Chet, the first letter, is united with the last letter, Nun, it's also Chen. Chen is grace or beauty. So we're also taught in Kabbalah that when every individual reveals and manifests his individual Hush, his inner sense or talent, that also gives him his individual beauty and grace. But since we know that beauty also can either be positive or negative, like at the end of Sefer Mishlein, we read Shekel HaChen VeHevel HaYofi. Sometimes Chen and Yofi can be deceptive and not true. So the same is true with, as we said before, with talent. Talent is a power that you receive and you can either 
develop it or not develop it, or manifest it or suppress, repress it. And even if you do manifest it, also it can be in one of two ways. You can either use the power for good things or for bad things, either constructively or destructively. Alright, so now once more we begin with the door. The first talent is the talent, the khush, the sense of Yehuda, which is Tipur. The most important meaning that this word has, in addition to simply the ability to communicate. What, what does this mean? It means the first talent that every person, since we have Yitkanavut, the first talent each of us should try to cultivate and mature and develop is our ability to communicate with one another. Also our ability to communicate with Hashem, to pray. Communication. Speech. For this reason, man himself is called Midaber in all of the classic works of the Torah. The human race, the homo sapien, the human being himself, is not defined as the thinker. He is defined as the speaker because the unique thing about a human being is that he is able to communicate in a rational, conscious speech. So this is something even more important than the ability of man to think. Even though it would appear and it's actually true that first one thinks and then one speaks. But the speaking ultimately is coming from a higher subconscious or superconscious level of the soul than the thought itself. Even though thought precedes speech, but in its superconscious origin, speech comes from a higher place than thought. And that's exactly the, fir- the order of the first two senses of the soul. At the first, which is Yehudah, Judah is speech, and then the second is thought, Yehur, Makshavah, which is Yisachar. The thinker, the calculator, as well, we're saying, is the second tribe. Yisachar, but the first is Yehudah, which is speech. Now the special type of speech that Yehudah represents is the ability to give, to express gratitude and thanks. Because Yehudah, why was he named Yehudah? Now I will give thanks to Hashem that I have given birth to four children. Because all of the matriarchs, the mothers, had Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and they knew that Yaakov will have four wives and will have twelve children, meaning that on the average, every mother should have three children. As soon as she had a fourth child, so she said, now I have to give thanks because I have received more than I deserve. Meaning that the first and fundamental expression of speech is to thank God for giving me more than I deserve. And that begins from the very first word. What is the first word that a Jew speaks every day? That the fact that you return my soul to me every morning, that is also more than I deserve. I don't deserve that. To give thanks is to recognize that I have been given a gift which is more than I deserve and I reflect that recognition in my speech this is the primary function, the beginning of correct communication 
is the ability to give thanks. Now, on the other hand, speech also contains another very important element to it and dimension to it. In Hebrew, speech means to lead. Speech is a leadership. It's from the very same word as Nibur, is the term Dabar, as in the rabbinic victim, Dabar Echad Lador, Veloshnik Dabarim Lador. There is one leader of a generation, not two leaders of a generation. The leader is called Dabar. Why is the leader called Dabar? Because he leads, that's one of the primary functions of speech, is to lead through speech. To lead in a good way. Now here we can see very clearly that this power, this propensity, and this uh, this talent and inner sense of the poor can either be constructive or destructive. Because you can either lead well or you can lead bad. You can either be a good leader or a bad leader. Now why is this the Hush of Yehuda? As we said before, Yehuda is the king. He's the leader of the Jewish people. The verse that connects all of this together is the verse Ba'asher Tevar Melech Shilton The word of the king is his rulership There's another saying of Chazal Amal Malka Ata Akar Tura That when a king speaks he can uproot a mountain because he has tremendous supernatural power to lead through his speech so once more, speech means, first of all, the ability to communicate. A human being is a metaper. Then the second thought, the second understanding of speech, is that speech must begin in order to rectify our, our speech. The beginning is the ability to acknowledge, which is the literal meaning of Yehuda, and to give thanks. And thanks means that I must first recognize in my heart that I don't deserve what I receive. And if a person has that inner shiflut, that loneliness to recognize that I do not deserve what I receive, and therefore I always give thanks to you, for, to everyone, especially to God, of course, then he is worthy to be a leader. It says that King David, who comes from Judah, is a leader, is a king, because he possesses a loneliness, existential loneliness. So all of this is included in the first sense of the poor. So now again we'll try to go through one by one, adding adding depth to each one, and each one of us can try to identify to our particular mazal, but to realize that we must have the whole cycle all together.